0: shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight we're going to be continuing with our series of Shirim on the teachings of Rabbi Yitzhak Meyer Morgenstern Shlita, And tonight, what we're going to be entering into is a sugya that's really going to carry us through at least the next three or four shirim. Each shir is going to be a particular expression or application of this idea. Tonight's going to be the first expression of this idea. But like we said in the beginning shirim, especially in last week's shir, with regards to the path in learning that Ravit has developed, which sees a necessity in entering into the world of pratim and difference and difference of opinions. And from there, elevating oneself to a world of unity where everything supports each and every other thing and there's a unified whole, only to then emerge into a space of kesar that is higher than both of those oppositions, higher than both the particularity and the pratim of bina, higher than the klaliut or the wholeness of Chachma, into this paradoxical, almost impossible space of keser, which contains both the pratim and the klal at once, that contains the myriad opinions which apparently disagree with one another, yet in some mystical way through the secret of faith, through the raza de yusa, all of the differences of opinion not only do they not negate the unity of everything, but it is specifically through the Pratim themselves, it is specifically through that moyach of bina, that ability to descend into difference of opinion, that we emerge with a picture that is greater than the sum total of its parts. So that the Tachlis for Avitcha which is the space of Keser, which is the space of Reshed below the unknowable head which we're going to discuss in a future Shir, is that it contains the oppositional balance of both disagreement and separateness, as well as unity and agreement, to the extent that the separateness and the pratiyut of Bina, where each and every opinion is saying something different, doesn't negate the unity and the wholeness of Chachma, where everything is saying the same thing, but rather the pratiyut and the disintegration and all of the separateness actually allows us to experience unity in a greater way. We discussed that entire process last week in terms of how Revit Meyer looks at the entirety of Torah, that each and every opinion is in truth separate and apart, yet in all of their separateness, they announce one unified whole and the voice of Torah that contains all differences of opinion. Not, God forbid, that all the differences of opinion are shown to be nothing because that's all too easy it's all too easy to claim that everyone is coming to say the same thing. What Ravitschemeier is showing is that while each and every person says something different, that difference gives birth to a whole picture that is greater than anything that we could have ever imagined. Now, like we discussed last week, one of the unique factors of Ravitschemeier Morgenstern Shlita is that in his activity, both in how he learns Torah and, and really how he carries himself. Now, with regards to how Ravitschermeyer Morgenstern carries himself in the day-to-day, I, I can't stress enough. Well, let me pause for a second because what we didn't be them with was the fact that everything that is said tonight is my, my own humble opinion of what Ravitschermeyer Morgenstern is coming to the world to say and what he's trying to convey through his writings and that any mistakes that arise out of what is being said or any misunderstandings are to be leveled at, at, at my ständer, at my chair, from where I speak, and not, God forbid, from the space of Ravichemeyer Morgenstern. That being said, I cannot claim to have had enough experience with Ravichemeyer to understand how his lived experience or how his active engagement in the world is a reflection of what we're seeing in the Torah of Revit Shemeyer Morgenstern, just the same way that the Torah of Revit Shemeyer Morgenstern is a reflection of how Revit Shemeyer Morgenstern engages in the world. But suffice it to say that the videos that we are Zolcheth to watch, and the small amount of time that I personally have been Zolcheth to spend with Revit highlights the fact that everything that we're going to be discussing, both by way of his learning, and the way that he approaches Avodah, is going to be the exact expression of what he's trying to convey from a quote unquote Machshavadiku approach. That the Kabbalah of Ravitchamayr, the Hasidis of Ravitchamayr, the system of Ravitchamayr that has really not been developed by anyone other than Ravitchamayr, is expressed and experienced in the day to day activity of Ravitchamayr to the point that the Tzaddik and his Torah are one, and that the Torah and the Tzaddik are one. But like we said last week, not only does Ravit Meyer Morgenstern learn the Torah in a way of entering first into the bina of all of the different pratim and then going up to the chachma of all of the different pratim saying the same thing and from there moving to a level of keser where difference and sameness or unity and separateness act in unison and dance together to create a picture that is greater than the sum total of its parts. The same can be seen in Ravitcha Meyer's approach to the entirety of Kabbalah and the entirety of Hasidus, which is what we're going to be discussing tonight. Now, the title of tonight's year is going to be Adorning Perfection. Adorning Perfection is the closest translation that I could come to with regards to a phrase that is not found anywhere else other than in the writings of Revit Meyer Morgenstern, which is the concept of a tosefes Kishut. An additional adornment. A kishut, as we're going to see, is synonymous almost with applications of jewelry or beautification to something that is already beautiful. Now, the word kishut is very specific because, as we're going to see, kishut is the attempt to make something that is already as beautiful as it can possibly be even more beautiful. Now, when a person confronts a thing that is shalim or a thing that is whole, any attempt to add upon wholeness is also a detraction or claiming a chisaron in the previous sense of shleimus. For me to claim that wholeness becomes more whole or wholeness becomes more perfect, then what I would already be claiming is that the wholeness that I was dealing with prior to this new perfection, was deficient, that there was a chisarun. Because only something that is lacking can at first glance become more full. Now, Rav Shmuel Ehrenfeld Shlita, the Talmud Mufak, amongst other Talmidei Mufakim of Rav Itzemayer, spends time in his second volume of Ketzei Sashemesh on the Hakdama of Rehova Sanar, explaining why this word kishut is fundamental to understanding what Ravitschermeyer is coming to say, and that's something we're going to come to soon. Ravitschermeyer Morgenstern starts off with a question of why was the world created? Or what purpose was the world created for? Now here Ravitschermeyer is not creating inquiries or philosophical speculation of his own, but rather he is following in the path of exactly what is explicitly written, by Reb Chaim Vital Slusi in the haktama, in the beginning of Chaim Kadisha, quite possibly the fullest expression of the Kabbalah of the Arizal. The question is, for what purpose, or what purpose drove God, so to speak, to create the world? Now, what a person encounters when they begin learning Chaim, and this is something we discussed in the Shirim on the Leshem Shuva HaKhalayma, and it's something that we discussed in the Shirim on the Esser Svirosh Pederach But a person finds two separate answers at the outset of Chaim from Rav Chaim Vital recording the teachings of his Rebbe the Arizal. In Shar Aleph, Perak Aleph, in the beginning of Chaim. the Siba, the purpose for the creation of the world is as follows. The Arizal states that God, so to speak, that God Kav has all of these different manifestations contained within pure potential that can only be expressed vis-a-vis separateness, that God, so to speak, in sof. Kavyecho. HaKadosh Baruch that thing, that God that we dive into when we say the words moda'ani or when we have a machshava to try and settle our anxiety, that thing that we somehow, someway have direct connection to in spite of the fact that it is so impossibly distant from our grasp, decided Kav Yachol in its originary awakening of its desire, Kad Salik Bir ivra alma*, when that desire was awoken to create the world, the desire, Kavyechol, was for the infinite to manifest itself with infinitude. For there to be some place or something for God's pure potential to become manifested in actualization. And as the Arizal says, based on the Zohar HaKadosh and Parshas Bo, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has all different types of names through which he can be referred, Kavyechol. Rachum, Vachanun, Compassionate and long-standing, and chesed, and gvura, and kind, and harsh, and tiferes, and beautiful. But prior to any other thing aside from godliness, there's no one to recognize these different midos, these different modes of governance or experience. So what arose within the infinite desire of a was to create a space that would be viable or receptive to the different modes of expression of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the first reason that the Arizal gives for the creation of the world is for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to take that which was within potential and to allow it to be fully manifested. That's Aleph. Bez is what the Arizal writes in Shar HaKlalem. Shar HaKlalem is a perak within the Sefer of Eitz Chaim which is somewhat placeless. It's not clear exactly where this Perak or this shar of shar haklalim should be placed, whether at the beginning of the Sefer or in the middle of the Sefer. Nevertheless, what we find in shar haklalim is an entirely different reason, at least an apparently entirely different reason for the creation of the world. There, what the Arizal writes, or Rafhaim Vital records the name of his Rebbe, is that the purpose for the creation of the world as far as the human mind is capable of comprehending, is the fact that that the fundamental and ontological nature of the truly good, the capital G good, the that the truest nature of good is to bestow good upon its creations. And that goodness needs to express itself to further its goodness. And that the reason HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world was for human beings to experience goodness in a fuller manifestation. Now, the Ramchal, Rav Moshe Chaim Litzato, is the one who really took this opinion of the Arizal, as recorded by Rav Chaim Vital in Shara HaKlalim, and placed it at the crown of his system, famously stating that this was the true purpose for the creation of the world, as he expresses in his parish on Sefer Otzris Chaim. Nevertheless, what we have in front of us is A contradiction in terms based on the reading of the Arizal as to the purpose for the creation of the world. On the one hand, the world was created so that God, kavyachol, God, so to speak, can take that which was within potential and fully express it. And on the other hand, we have a perspective as recorded in Shar HaKlalim in Eitz Chaim that states that the purpose of creation really had to do more with creation itself that God wants to be still good upon its creations and the fullness of goodness is only when God creates something. These two fundamental differences of opinion are going to be shown at the end of this year to really be expressing the same exact thing. And the question for a Mayer Morgenstern is how we come to a place where these two different opinions for the creation of the world can really be shown to be simultaneously the same exact purpose how it could be that God manifesting himself from potential towards actualization can be the same exact experience of human beings experience goodness in the fullest form of goodness. The way Ravitcha comes upon this idea is as follows. Prior to the creation of the world, prior to the symptom, prior to God Kav deciding that he wanted to confine himself or constrict himself and limit himself so that something other than godliness can become manifested, prior to that original desire of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to limit himself, everything was infinite. The infinite light of God, of goodness, of clarity, of unity, of oneness, of lack of separation, no anxiety, no desire, manucha, that was ever-present. That was clear as day. That God Kavyechol, is in, in His infinitude was fully present. But there was a problem. There's a problem with infinity remaining infinite. Because infinity remaining infinite, or HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Remaining present in all manners of presentness, without any distortion, without any constriction, without any concealment, without any symptom—like we said last week—it becomes boring. There's no chiddush. There's no novelty for Ein Sof, for the infinite, to remain infinite. And therefore, God, so to speak, desired to create something that was finite, to create something that was separate and apart from godliness. And that is what creation is. Tzimtzum, or the creation of the worlds, and the creation of experience as we know it, was a descent away, a movement away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu's infinitude, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu's annihilating unified light, so that separateness could begin to take shape. What Ravit describes hundreds of times as chiluke dargin, the distinction and the separateness of levels, of gradations, the fact that there is a difference between up and down, of right and left, of north and south, of east and west. These distinctions, these chiluke dargen, this separateness, this apparent duality or concealment of godliness is what emerges into existence once HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides to conceal himself. And when we look at the Mekubalim, when we look at the different Mephorshemen, and Shemeyer is able to prove this from any source he wants. Like we spoke about last week, Ravit Shemeyer Morgenstern Shlita points this out from the Vilna and the students of the Balshemtov and Chabad. And I'm going to take this opportunity to apologize and rectify a mistake I made last week when I stated all of the major influences of Ravit Shemeyer Morgenstern. I stated the Rashash and the Terez Chacham, and the Balatanya and Ravar and Halevi, and Rivitza of Hummel and the Vilagon, and Rivitza Kaisak and Rav Menachem and the and the Leshem the one space that I unconsciously forgot to acknowledge was Kamarna, that uh, the Chasidus of Kamarna, the Zayar Chai, the Nesiv Mitzvay Secha, the grandfather of Kamarna, the Atara are fundamental. They're almost an Evan hashasia of the system of Rivitshemay. Now all of these systems of thought, what they all announce in unison is that the purpose of the world, the purpose of experience, is that Akadosh Baruch Hu limits himself and allows himself to become manifest in creation as separateness, down to the Nakuda of what we experience as anxiety and difficulty and suffering and the Yasurin that each and every individual experiences in their own relative space at each and every level of the day. All of that is revealed so that it can eventually elevate itself back up to the infinitude or the Ein Sofiyut that existed prior to the creation of the world. That the purpose of creation is for Hashem to descend out of the infinite, to descend out of the Ein Sof, through the Tzimtzum, so that creation can begin to take shape, so that separateness can begin to take rulership over our experience, so that Hester and concealment are present in our everyday life. And the goal of that Hester, the goal of that historical process is to elevate itself back up to the infinite as it was prior to the creation of the world. So that if one was graphing the procession of creation, you begin with the infinite, you descend slowly but surely through finitude, through constriction and gradation, only to elevate oneself back up to infinity to reveal that all separateness and all concealment and all darkness was truly part of the infinite plan. Now Meyer has a very big kasha on this. The kasha is as follows. If the purpose of creation was for the infinite, for Ein-Soph, to manifest itself in finitude, only for the purpose of eventually rectifying itself and moving back towards the Ain Sof that it originally came from, what in the world is the purpose of this entire game? In other words, if the entire purpose of creation was for creation to elevate back to a place from before creation, if the entire purpose of limitation was come back to the place of unlimitation, then what is the purpose of all of this if we're simply returning back to where we came? What is the necessity, what is the purpose of all of the difficulty that is experienced in separation? If the entire purpose of suffering and concealment and Hester and darkness and limitation is so that limitation and Hester and darkness will eventually move back to a place from which it originally came, which was infinite, then what gain is developed out of the entire process of history? What do, we, what do we earn out of all of this? And this is a problem that drives the entire system of Revit Morgan Stern Schlita. Revit Meyer feels that it is impossible to claim that God Kav decided to create a world through disparity and through distinction only to eventually go back to exactly where it came from. To claim that existence doesn't provide any addition, to claim that existence doesn't provide any benefit, to the individuals who experience existence, for Ravitschermeyer is an impossibility. And so what Meyer says is as follows. Prior to the creation of the world, there was infinity, there was Ein Sof, there was light unbounded, everything was clear as day. After the decision to create the world, there's constriction, there's limitation. There's concealment, there's disintegration, there's particularity, there's separateness, there's difficulty, there's suffering, there's pain, there's anxiety, there's chayt, chas But the purpose of creation is to take all of those levels, to take all of those difficulties, to take every idea that is possibly associated with gvul, with limitation, and to bring it back to a place of infinity, to allow it to rectify itself and elevate itself back to a place of infinity, so that after everything is said and done at the end of history, when limitation takes itself back to a place of the unlimited, when gvul elevates itself back up to a space of bilti gvul, what we will be capable of revealing is that even the bilti gvul, I'm sorry, even the gvul, even the disintegration, even the difficulty, even the darkness, is part and parcel of the infinite. That the purpose of creation is to show that the infinite God, Kav has the capacity to express itself within finitude and limitation, and that finitude and limitation and darkness and gvul and hester, not only are they not contradictions to the infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, But it is only through limitation, it is only through concealment, it is only through darkness, it is only through that we are capable of fully expressing the power of the infinite. That when the infinite is infinite, when Ein Sof is Ein Sof, there's no novelty involved in the fact that there's no suffering. There's no novelty involved in the fact that everything is shown to be a revelation of godliness. So God, Kav decides or desires to descend into constriction, into difficulty, into that which is apparently the opposite of godliness, down to the most basic experience of suffering that each and every Jew experiences in the day-to-day life of mundane experience. To show that even there, and specifically there, the light of godliness is revealed in a more potent form. So that now that God Kav has moved out of the infinite into finitude, now that HaKadosh Baruch has decided to move out of unlimitation into a state of limitation, when limitation elevates itself back up to that unlimited space, not only do we return back to that infinity or Ein sof that existed prior to existence, but we show that Ein sof and infinity and God is so much stronger than we originally conceived. Because when God existed only in, in and of itself, without any constriction, without any darkness, there's no novelty. But when God shows himself, Kav yachol, to be the master and the ruler and present within darkness itself, now the infinity of God is shown to contain not only light, but also darkness, not only the infinite, but also the finite, not only the unlimited, but also the limited. And so that through creation, Kav yachol, through experience, through existence, through the formation of the worlds, the entire purpose of God in this world is to show that HaKadosh Baruch Hu can express himself within limitation as much as he can express himself within the non-limited experience. And just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu can express himself in light, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could express himself in darkness. And just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu could express himself in that which is unlimited and unconfined and without difficulty, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could be present within difficulty and within that which seems to move against infinity. So that when creation ends, when creation is finally able, like the, like Revit Shemeyer shows throughout all the Machabrim, to elevate itself back to the place from which it came, it's almost going to a place that is higher from where reality is born. Because reality was born out of a place of infinitude, and infinitude alone, wherein self existed on its own, by itself. But when we elevate creation back up to its source, we're now coming with all of limitation as well. So that the unlimited and the infinite from which we emerged is now forced to show that it is greater than it originally appeared that the infinitude that HaKadosh Baruch revealed prior to the Tzimtzum is now shown to be greater than the infinitude that existed prior to the Tzimtzum. Because prior to the Tzimtzum, it existed only in a state of infinitude and nothingness. But now, once we've descended through the entire experience of something with all of the vicissitudes and the difficulty that somethingness conveys, each and every individual understands this in the recesses of their own heart, we now show the infinite to contain the capacity of something and nothing at once, of ayin and ani at once, that the word ayin, the word for nothingness, which conveys the infinitude of HaKadosh Baruch Hu prior to the creation of the world, is the same letters as ani, as egoism, as subjectivity, as particularity, as difficulty, as suffering, as constriction, and all of the difficulties that we encounter in our individual daily lived lives, that is shown to be also part and parcel of the infinite. Now, this is not, God forbid, a chiddush of Ravitchamayr. The Rebbe Rashab writes Befeirush, and Ravitchamayr and his Talmidim use this as a source text whenever they're describing this idea. And when I say that this idea is expressed countless times in the writings of Ravitchamayr, I mean it literally. This can be found in every mimer almost, in every sefer that Ravitchamayr or his base measures has published that the purpose of creation is to take the biltigvul, to take that which appears to be infinite, force it into the finite, force it into that which is oppositional to it, into its Hepuch, to show that at the end of the day, the infinite contains both darkness and light, that the infinite contains both infinity and finitude, that the unlimited contains both unlimitation and limitation at once, thereby revealing that we can understand even a greater level of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unity. And that is the Tisefes Kishut. That is the additional adornment. The question is, for what purpose was creation created? If at the end of the day, everything reverts back to what it was prior to creation. What purpose does the infinite descend into finitude? Why does the Biltigvul Gvul descend into the Gvul? It's to show that even the Gvul is Biltigvul. Gvul that even that which appears to be opposite of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in truth HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To show that not only can HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveal himself in infinitude and light, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu can be specifically found within finite existence, within the day-to-day, within the Dira each and every person, Lev Yodea Amaris Nafsha, what is included in the phrase Dira the dwelling place in the nether realms that includes each and every anxious thought that each and every individual has ever experienced. And again, I need to stress in parentheses, Ravitchemeyer doesn't apply these teachings to the realm of anxiety. Ravitchemeyer doesn't apply these teachings to the realm of addiction. Ravitchemeyer doesn't necessarily explicitly apply these teachings to the daily struggles that each and every person in 2019 encounters. But it's my taina and my belief and my deep emuna that Rav Ishmael Morgenstern's Torah is coming to share with us an insight into our daily experience that is hitherto unexpressed, at least as explicitly as it is in his writings. That it is specifically in the gvul, in the difficulty, in the darkness that a person experiences the greatest manifestation of godliness. Because when a person can say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is here also, in the lowest realm of our experience, what we're doing is we're emboldening and we're enlarging and we're adorning the unity that existed prior to the creation of the world. Because now when history is all said and done, when each and every human experience is all said and done, what we've shown is that infinity is not only infinite, but the finite is infinite as well. That God is not only light, but God is darkness as well that God is not only clarity, but a Baruch Hu is concealment as well. Thereby boldening and enlarging and intensifying and making so much larger than humanly imaginable the koach of the infinite. The fact that there is nothing, no Hester too dark, no concealment too hidden that is not a gushpanka, is not a stamp of a Baruch Hu in the world. Now, the way that Revit Shemeyer shows this, and this is going to be an entryway into the future shirim that we give, is again based on what the Arizal writes explicitly at the beginning of Eitz Chaim. Revit Shemeyer writes as fa- uh, the Arizal, I'm sorry, writes as follows, that the purpose of creation was for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to express his name, Kavyechol. For the Shem Havaya, the Yud Vovke, the Tetragrammaton, the four-letter name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which as long as we exist and as long as existence exists cannot be expressed verbally, but only through the veil of writing of the words, Alef Nun Yud or Adnus. The Shem Havaya, the four-letter name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is the grounding principle for the entirety of existence of Shavisi Hashem Negdi Tamid, and it's also the grounding principle of the entirety of the writings of the Arizal and what we might refer to as Pnimi now, when the Arizal is trying to describe what the Shem Havaya, what this tetragrammaton actually means, he doesn't work on a definitional pr- proposition because we can't define the word, but he works on what the expression of the word sounds like. Havaya, existence, being. And what the Arizal writes in the beginning of Chaim is as follows. And this is brought down in the Shulchan Aruch, as well as in the tour of what a person should contemplate when they say the four-letter name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that Havaya, Yudke Vavke, means as follows, Haya, Hove, Viyia, was, is, and will be. Haya, which implies past, that which took place in the past, that which was, Hove, that which takes place in the present, that which exists in the present moment, that would which, that which will exist in the future. Now, the way the Arizal reads the Shem Havaya, this four-letter name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is as follows. Haya means that which was prior to the creation of the world, when God existed as infinite, as Ein Sof, without any limitation. Hoveh, that which is, is how HaKadosh Baruch Hu expresses himself to human beings in the limitation of history, in the limitation of existence how we experience God through Chiluke Dargen, through the distinction of limitation and levels, of Pratiyut, that which appears to be separate and a part of the whole. viyiyah. and here the Arizal is most descriptive, and this becomes the crowning jewel in the system of Ravit Shemeyer. the Arizal writes as follows, Ma Yihia, that which will be, Acharei she masha after things revert back to that which they were. That Hayahova yehovah implies past, present, and future, which is a reversion or a return to that which existed prior to existence. Now here's where Avichameyer asks the kasha that we began with. What purpose, what game is HaKadosh Baruch Hu playing with us? If the entire purpose of creation is to take that which was infinite, and allow it to manifest itself through that which is infinitude and limitation, only for the sake of emerging as that which will be, which is a return to that which was, so that the entire purpose of existence is apparently a movement from infinity into finitude and then eventually back to the infinite. Ravitschemeier asks a major question, what purpose does this play? What role are we meant to experience in existence if this is the only thing? Because if we're only returning back to that which was, we haven't gained anything. And this is where Avicier stresses himself most explicitly. You're right that we descend out of infinity. We descend out of that which was, through that which is. That infinity manifests itself through finitude. That the unlimited manifests itself through the limited. But what happens at the end is something additional that that which happens in the future is not simply a return back to that which was. It's not simply a return back to the infinity and the Ein sofiut and the unlimited nature of light that existed prior to existence, but rather it is a return to the infinite light with the renowned source of Tosefet Kishut. We're now bringing an additional adornment. We're showing HaKadosh Baruch you we were infinite prior to the creation of the world. And you forced us into finitude with all of the suffering that that entails. And we're coming back to you to show you that even finitude, that even suffering, that even difficulty, that even light, that even darkness, that even our particular forms of concealment are still representative of your infinity. That our entire experience and limitation is still part and parcel of the full manifestation of your infinitude. That the descent into difficulty is to show how large and how encapsulating the true nature of infinity is. To the point that infinity can contain within itself that which is finite as well. And that light can contain darkness as well. And we're returning to our Kadosh Baruch at the end of our experiences, at the end of creation. And we're showing that when we return back to that which was, when we take life back to what was before creation, that space of infinite potential of that oceanic sense that yam hachma that place of full unity what we're showing is that that contains within itself difficulty as well and that it's specifically that difficulty that we bring to akadosh baruchu that shows how deeply infinite god is because when the jewish people when the world is capable of testifying to the fact that everything that appeared to be opposite of god is also an expression of God, the concept of godliness is now endowed with a completely additional compartment, which is the fact that darkness itself bespeaks light, and that limitation bespeaks the unlimited, and that finitude bespeaks the infinite, and that difficulty bespeaks Menucha. And this is what Rav Meyer's entire system is coming to show that it's specifically within limitation that we have the capacity of deepening the expression of the infinite. That After existence reverts back to that which was prior to existence, we now come armed with the ability to add an adornment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to show that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's infinity from before creation is now bejeweled and shown to be even stronger because it's wearing the crown of limitation that the infinite is now more infinite because it contains the finite within itself as well. This is what we're going to be discussing throughout the next series of Shirim. Throughout all of the different Shirim, we're going to be looking at different iterations of this idea. What we can return to before ending tonight's Shir is the Sthira that we brought up in the beginning with regards to the purpose of creation, according to the Arizal. On the one hand, the purpose of creation was for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to manifest his potential within actualization, to take that which is apparently infinite and allow it to become finite. And on the other hand, we see that the entire purpose of creation is so that human beings will benefit from the goodness of God in the fullest way possible. And what Rav says, and he's not without precedent in this, the Leshem Shava the Rashash precede him in this, is that the two opinions are saying the same thing. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu removing himself out of the infinite and applying himself within limitation is the true goodness that human beings will ever experience. Because we become the vehicles of disclosing that greater level of infinitude. We become the vehicles or the vessels or the kalim through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is able to show that not only do I exist in infinity and light, but I also exist in darkness and limitation. And when we take ourselves and our own experiences and elevate them back up to the deep truth of infinity, what we are doing is we are becoming the crown of a Baruch Hu Kavyechol. We are the limitation of a Baruch Hu that shows that the infinite contains limitation as well. And that the purpose of a Baruch Hu's disclosure of himself from infinity into finitude is also simultaneously the greatest pleasure that an individual can experience each and every moment that we recognize that what we experience in limitation and darkness is also an expression of infinity and light. Next week, Bezra Sashem, we're going to be discussing this in a practical manifestation of the psychology of Avoida, of what each and every human being experiences through the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov and its echo through the writings of Ravitchamai Morgenstern. Of Tainuk Tmidi Eno Tainuk, that perpetual pleasure is that pleasure. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the A Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page, and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.